Welcome to Improv Beat by Beat. I'm Curtis Rutherford. I asked as many people as I could to share what UCB New York meant to them. This is episode 27. Goodbye, UCB New York. It's Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. A week ago, on the 21st, the UCB4 announced that they were shutting down UCB Hell's Kitchen and the New York Training Center, closing all their permanent locations in New York City. The current plan is to continue teaching classes and performing at other spaces after things reopen from the coronavirus, but that remains to be seen. According to the announcement email, the school and the theater will continue in a pared-down form which means that UCB New York no longer exists in any real way. Even the artistic director has been let go. Online for the past week, there's been an extended goodbye to UCB New York, as students and performers and teachers have reminisced and argued and lamented. I asked anyone involved in any way to send me an audio file of you describing anything about UCB New York, your favorite show or moment at one of the theaters, how it impacted your life, something you learned that you'll never forget, some dumb shit you saw someone do, or just literally anything. Some people recorded theirs within hours of the announcement. Some recorded after some distance and time to process. Unlike the normal episodes, I haven't done much editing to these, and everyone will introduce themselves. Here's the episode. Molly Gaby. So the first thing I ever went to at UCB was in 2008 or 2009. I had gone to DCM with my college improv group from Wesleyan, and I had no idea what UCB was or really what improv was. Um, so the first thing I ever went to was the marathon press conference. And I remember sitting there and being like, whoa, these are the most incredibly smug and boring people I'd ever seen in my whole life. It was unbearable. And I couldn't believe that every minute they were just talking nonsense. I didn't know why I was in a theater and I wasn't seeing a show. Um, so I looked, must have looked extremely miserable because Ian Roberts noticed how miserable I was from the stage and he called for the house lights to come up so he could interview the miserable girl on house right. Um, I was so mortified and terrified, but I didn't back down that I thought the show was bad, that it was barely a show and uh, that I was extremely bored. So to make up for it, he invited me to come on stage with them for the remainder of the show and ride around this motorized beer cooler that someone had rigged up. So that was my first experience on the Chelsea stage. And I would have no idea how much shit I would experience on that stage. I couldn't have known riding on that beer cooler that I would laugh and cry and barf on that stage. I couldn't have known that I'd be swinging half naked from the rafters. I couldn't have known that I'd be crowd surfing a midnight audience. I couldn't have known that I'd run crying from the theater more than once because I thought I was bad at improv. Uh, I didn't know I would meet my best friends there. I didn't know I would not meet my spouse there. Because I'm a fucking catch, and literally, I was in love with pretty much every person I met there, and definitely every teammate, and no one made a move, so you missed your chance, assholes. Um, but the thing I think I'm going to miss most um, is the backstage of the Chelsea Theater, uh, and I'm going to miss the pre-show poop farts of my fellow performers, because it always smelled like shit, and... That shit smell reminded me that no matter how long we've been doing this, we all still got a little nervous because we cared so much. Ian Dyer at DCM, uh, which the last DCM in New York, I was at the opening block of shows and the second team to perform, whose name I forget, but had Jason Manzukis, Paul Shear, and a bunch of other great people in it. 
I was watching the show and laughing and enjoying it so much. And it was really fun to watch it at UCB Hell's Kitchen and feel like we were building some memories in this new space. And about halfway through the set, I realized that the team that was performing was one of the, um, if not the first uh, UCB team I had ever watched um, because I had been coming down to New York City to visit my dad after my parents split up. And he took me to UCB for the first time when I was like 14 years old. And the team that we saw was the same team that was now performing at DCM, like maybe, you know, 10, 15 years later or something like that. And I just remember being blown away at that history and community and like the legends of the place. And I feel like that's what kind of made it different for me than other places was that there was, it was a hall of memories that just was constant. And I just remember watching them perform and I could basically felt like I was watching both of those sets at the same time. And it was just absolutely remarkable. Um, I'll never, I'll never forget that ever. To start, my name is Ryan Barker. My favorite memories at UCB were the jams. My first jam was the night of my first 101 class. I'm pretty sure I stood on the back line and probably said nothing the whole time. Uh, But I was there. For the next two years, I spent nearly every Monday and Wednesday night at the Beast. Um, I started around 2015, and it was Improv Nerds hosting on Mondays and Higgins on Wednesdays. Sorry to any Grandma's Ashes fans out there. That was before my time. Uh, Some jams were good, and some were very, very bad. But it gave me a lot of comfort and a place to be at a time here in New York, why I didn't have much of either. There's a pretty good chance that if we met through UCB, it was probably at a jam. Um, So to all the former house managers, techs, bartenders, interns, and those faithful jam leaders who gave up countless nights, I just want to say thanks. Oh, and hot jam. Rachel Tansler. I was lucky enough to do three-on-three a few times pretty early in my improv life. Um, The first year that I did it was the first year that they did the tournament at Beast. And it felt like we got in on a fluke. It was me, Sabrina Fonfetter, and my friend Sophie Perot. Uh, We were all relatively beginners, probably early advanced study. And the night we were on was absolutely stacked. I think we were one of two teams that had any non-house team performers on it. And we were all non-house team performers. Uh, we were between Gracie Lake and Sabonis, who are two kind of all-time big, uh, very funny teams. So we were absolutely terrified. And we were in the Hot Chicks room, and the three of us are kind of dancing around, trying to get our nerves out. And I remember, and I'm going to always remember this, Dan Lepretto from Greasy Lake came over to us and started dancing with us um, and made a joke about how uh, we were all just like hanging out and having a good time. And it put me at such ease. And to me, that's why UCB is so amazing. Um, It's people being nice when they don't have to be, people being supportive, uh, getting opportunities to do cool shows that you feel like are way beyond what you should be allowed to do. So we went up there and we did a kick-ass set. Uh, Our team was called Young Awful White Boys. And if we had not been on a night with Greasy Lake and Sabonis, we might have moved on. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I love Beast. I love 3 on 3. I love UCB. Hi, I'm Pat Baer, and I was a UCB employee from 2004 until 2019. But in 2003, I was a tech intern, and I was working a show rehearsal in the afternoon. And somebody came in late from rehearsal and said, have you been outside? And we hadn't. We'd been in rehearsals for several hours. It was a large cast. There was a band. It was a whole production. Well, uh, we had power, but nobody else did because it was 2003 and there was a historic blackout and we had power. So we didn't know it was happening in 2003. People had cell phones, but not everyone had a cell phone and they already didn't have good reception in the place. So it turns out that the UCB Chelsea was on a plot of land where it used to be housing for an electrician's union 
some time ago and they had their own grid so ourselves and the taco place and the pizza place and a bank and a few other locations were all on this grid so we had power so for years and years after that if there was ever a power outage in the city you knew that you could go to ucb chelsea and there'd be power there and that you'd be able to go and check in uh and it's one of the best parts about UCB Theater. It wasn't that it was this great place for comedy, which it was, but that it was uh, a second home for so many people. And when you really needed it, a place where you could charge your cell phone. Hello, my name is Sonia Sapoff. I'm not a super well-known ucb -er, but this will always uh, stick with me. So I used to internet UCB Chelsea on Saturday nights, but this wasn't a Saturday night. Um, it was election night when Trump was elected and I was working that night and um, I just remember how traumatic it felt, but how nice it was to have to be around the UCB community at that moment. Um, and it was just like we were all just trying to make each other laugh through that moment in any way that we could to support each other. Um, and I remember walking home from that night, uh, the, the city, there were just it felt like there was a shift in the world and that there was just grief in the city. Um, and UCB will always be part of that moment for me. Um, and then another uh, thing I would like to say is um, on Saturdays uh, after Grandma's Ashes, once in a while, uh, we would, in the box office, we would take the bucket of secrets and just look through, look through some of them to find hilarious ones that weren't chosen. Um, sometimes we chose favorites, one of my favorites that I remember. Uh, is that somebody put their password, and who knows if it was a real password, but they put a password um, as a secret for Grandma's Ashes. And um, I thought that was hilarious because obviously a password is a secret, yes. So thank you for listening, and um, I'll miss UCB. Bye. Ray Cordova. Uh, one of the first shows I ever saw at UCB still sticks with me, uh, a particular scene. It was a Derek Comedy show. Please Google them if you're not aware of who they are. A member came out and started a scene. He pulled a chair out. The, the two other members, it's a three-member group, they both began to plot a chair to meet, to sit with him. And if you know improv, it's that awkward thing of like, oh, you're stepping out? You're stepping out? Because uh, normally you start a scene with two people. And they just kept almost sitting down and not sitting down and being polite to let the other one sit down. And then it just became a scene of people pulling up chairs and pulling them back and pulling up chairs and pulling them back and then eventually just gathering a bunch of chairs on the stage, going backstage, pulling out more chairs. And then at some point, someone said something to the degree of like, all right, that's it. And then it just began putting back all the chairs. And it was just so funny and such a great thing to see from one of your first time seeing improv. And I remember just thinking like, they didn't even say anything. They just did things and it made sense and it built and it was so funny. Uh, another great show I saw was on Harold Knight. I want to say Da Costa, because uh, there were so many groups that were kind of in different forms. But this scene was between Betsy Stover and Kirk D'Amato. And Betsy came out and sat in the chair, uh, did amazing object work as usual, and was typing on a computer. And Kirk D'Amato walked in, and she just goes, Betsy just says, I got a secret. And Kirk goes, what is it? And she, Betsy goes, mm-mm. Mm -mm. and he's like no what's the secret and she just kept going mm -mm, mm -mm, i'm not telling mm -mm. and kirk just went crazy begging for her to tell him this secret i mean he was just going nuts running back and forth from the stage just losing his losing his mind and you know you could almost see it like they were in this office place and you know she wouldn't give him this office office gossip you can make up what you thought was happening but to just see a game heighten and go to different places from just the simple idea, I have a secret, I won't tell you. Oh my God, I have to know what this secret is. I mean, just great. Two great players, a great scene. One of the craziest things I'm sure I've seen at UCB had to have taken place at one of the DCMs. Uh, there were so many insane bit shows that, you know, brought the house down. Of course, Diaper Babies. I remember the first time I saw Diaper Babies, you know, I was new to the scene and to see all these grown men in diapers and pies, it was just insane. Um, I remember being like, that looks so cool. And, you know, I kind of want to end it with every institution has pros and cons. 
and no one's perfect. And UCP, UCP, there you go. Upright Citizens Piscade. Uh, no, UCB um, gets a lot of flack for lack of diversity at times. And I got to say, being there for over 10 years, I've seen it grow so much. And nothing's perfect, but I've seen it make some strides and uh, great strides in some ways and not so great strides in other ways. And I want to say in all my years being there, I started in 2009, it's been a joy to watch so many people of color, so many members of the LGBTQ community, so many older people, just to see different performers of all different walks of life come together and create great fucking art. And, you know, if nothing else, I always tell people UCB is a great place to learn comedy and to learn improv. Try your best not to get caught up in the politics and the drama of it all. Take the tools you need and use it for the art you want to make. And I'm happy to say that, you know, everyone used to have a goal of being on like a house team or, you know, being like a revered player. Nothing will ever be more valuable than the people you meet. I have met some friends that I will have for the rest of my life. And I'm thankful for that. And I will never say RIP UCB because as long as the performers are alive and well and creating that comedy, their own comedy and putting things out there, they'll live on forever. So it was a great ride. Thanks, UCB. Peace out. Hi, my name's uh, Harshavardhan Dasarathi, and uh, I just wanted to say, so it can sometimes be quite lonely to be an immigrant in America at large, and by extension in New York and sort of living here, but especially, and it's especially hard to meet people who just aren't like exactly like me in many ways, in the sense that they're either immigrants or they're just people that I work with. But uh, being able to take classes and perform at uh, UCB basically afford me an opportunity to meet a whole different group of people that I otherwise would never have had the chance to meet. And whether they meant to or not, or whether they even wanted to, just as a result of all of us doing improv together, they were super, always super supportive and super friendly and of, and most of the time funny. Um, and I wouldn't have had that opportunity to uh, expand my horizons like that if it hadn't been for um, taking classes at UCB. And also, um, shout out to my Improv 301 class. And to everybody that made me laugh. My name is Bert James, and a few years ago, it was um, 2017, it was two months before my 40th birthday, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this whole, you know, comedy, performance, acting, and get famous thing, that like I need to, I need to actually do something, so... I enrolled in 101 Improv. It was October 17th, 2017. Lou Gonzalez was my teacher. I met amazing people that I'm still friends with. I did all the improv classes through 401, the sketch classes through 301. I did character 101. UCB, I mean, I owe, like, my entirety of my comedy friends community here in New York City, I owe with that theater. So it will always, always, always have a special place for me. Hi, this is Aliza Ballou. So I started Improv 101 in like 2016 and my 101 class was like pretty close for a 101 class. We would go to shows all the time. We eventually turned into like half of us a team that stayed together for close to a year, not quite a year. But we would all go to Improv Nerds every week because Anthony was our teacher and you know you gotta you gotta go watch your teacher perform. And after after a little while, like not everybody was coming. Some people were more off and on, but two of us, we would go every single week, which was me and Paris. And after it was just us, like I think we felt obligated to go to the jam afterwards just because that's what everyone did and it was weird to not. Um, but one week we were just asked each other do you actually like going in there and of course neither of us did jam stressed us out it wasn't fun and so we decided to just hang out in the bar while the jam was going on because it was pretty empty in there and we would sit at the little little four-person table that was closest to the door 
and we would chat about everything and we didn't drink we would just refill our water cups like eight times and we would do this every week for a long time until eventually we became besties and now here we are four years later still the best of friends and probably the most iconic duo that ucb has ever seen paris adkins i loved being at ucb because i felt like i belonged there um maybe for the first time i felt like i belonged anywhere in my life um and a huge part of that for me were not just the nights where i was performing but the nights where after the theater closed, we would stay really, really late. Um, and that started for me when I was interning at The Beast. Um, after the shows ended, uh, the interns and staff would sometimes stay and hang out and dance in the bar and just play like short form games, truly do whatever. And those nights were so magical. Um, one year on my birthday, instead of like, doing a real party or whatever, I just went to the Beast and we ended up doing improv on the stage at like four in the morning with um, me and some of my best friends. Um, I started working at Chelsea. We would stay after the shift ended on Friday nights and do karaoke on the stage um, with the screen as the karaoke machine. Um, and when I worked at Hell's Kitchen, um, we watched movies, we did karaoke on that stage, we danced, and we also played a game that I like to call the water bottle game, um, where we would take a half full water bottle and try and make it from the far end of the stage into a recycling bin. And I know that doesn't sound like the most riveting game you've ever heard of, but when it was like 10 people, the interns, um, line control staff, whoever's working, all trying to do it, it just became so fun and somehow the most important thing in the world to me. And we would stay like three hours after the theater closed just to hang out and do that. And then maybe we'd go to a bar after. Um, it was so amazing. And it's what I really, really loved about being there. Liz Noth. All right. So one thing I definitely want to talk about is just magic duos, two people who perform together, who just complement each other perfectly, have the best chemistry. Um, there's been so many examples of these, but I do want to shout out a few. Um, you know, getting an opportunity to coach or teach people and then seeing them just do something magic is the best. So um, Fu Goto and Shan Thomas had that kind of chemistry together on stage. Um, also, uh, Shantae Bowen and Tom White, when I used to coach Barrymore, their Lloyd team, um, they just did fantastic scenes together, just perfect scenes that felt heavenly. Um, similarly, Jess Morgan and Matt Kleinman were on a team called Bright Light together, a great team, and um, their scenes were just magic. Um, and uh, I gotta say, Rudy Behrens, my husband, and Michael Hartney uh, on Ice Cold Bev, they just had a ton of chemistry on stage together, possibly more chemistry than I have with my husband in real life, which is a little bit... Um, painful to admit. But um, yeah. And then another memory regarding UCB New York that I love um, was had to do with my 101 class. I had Chelsea Clark for 101 um, many years ago. And she, shortly after our class ended, um, I think she knew I had a practice group and she out of the blue just kind of asked my practice group to open for her indie team Bombardo at their their show at Players Theater and we were so excited we just like said yes and we got ready to do this show for a full crowd for the first time um doing improv for the first time for a full crowd and uh 
yeah, Chelsea was just such a fun teacher. And I just thought it was really amazing of her to ask sort of just like this dinky practice group to do a really freaking cool indie show. Um, and Bombardo was this pretty epic all-female improv team. Um, and I loved Beth and I loved Marcy. And I think they even called Aubrey Plaza during that show. And it was just such a cool thing to happen just only a few months into improvising for the first time to get to do this, my teacher's very cool improv show. So that was amazing. I wanted to share that. Hey, this is Alex French. I have so many fun memories from UCB over the last 10 years, and I just want to name off a bunch of stuff I've been thinking of the last few days in the hopes that it helps people remember fun stuff of their own or just that these things are fun without context. So here we go. Uh, the first show I ever saw was an ass cat, and the suggestion was razor blades and anal. I used to intern on Saturday night, and we would always trade off to make sure that we got to see either Ruben Williams or Death by Ruru. Uh, also, we found four locos under the seat one night. I remember that one Ruben Williams cage match, a uh, mono scene, where Ben Rogers played a character named Shell Game. Uh, I auditioned for the first time and got a call back. And the next day, I got a call from an unknown 212 number, which turned out to be the Dwayne Reed Pharmacy. But just getting that call made me so nervous that I had to leave my job and walk around for 10 minutes. And that's how I knew I wasn't ready to be on a team. I remember the movie ASP with Dynamo being on Fun 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 with all my best friends. Nicole Jaspel once sang, I've never shown up to a show that I didn't secretly hope was canceled. New Year's Eve at the Brooklyn Lyceum, short form is the only art form, dark days, Terry Withers yelling they're lying to you about diapers while throwing sopping wet diapers into a crowd. Um, him doing a second version of that spank. <clears throat> After the first spank, he got the note. Uh, it was too weird. So he started the second one by coming out screaming, I'm normal now. Uh, I remember the premise keepers ASP, Spooky Ghost, the first Lloyd team. Bloody Mary doing a cage match set inspired by Bernie Mac. Um, the ADA seeing the absolute worst shows uh, of Big Margaret, which to be fair were most of them. Being on Higgins and having the biggest laugh of my entire life by playing Ben Affleck in a scene and making the pun Argo somewhere else. Wearing the Michael Kors tomato suit for all of 2018. So many bit shows, including Late Night Trash, Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard, All the Big Dumb Things, uh, Cool Shit Weird Shit, Matt and Betsy Do Music, Connor Ratliff's 2016 election special, The Fat Cats in Washington, Who What Wear Catchphrase, New York 2, um, and also hosting um, Movie Pass Town Hall and a murder mystery bit show with Sarah Grace. Also, someone called Into the Beast Bar for the Movie Pass bit show to get the streaming info because they were a Movie Pass investor. I remember being one of the Mormons at UCBW, the law firm on Herald Night, this old house, Timmy Wood won it that way, and Dafuk. Um, being at McManus when the power was out during Hurricane Sandy, McManus forever, Smithfield never, hosting the jam, teaching classes, meeting my damn wife at UCB. And more than anything, I remember and want other people to remember as well that Doug Moe is a bad dad. Hello, it's uh, Jonathan Marbley. I, uh, I'll, I'm going to keep this brief. I didn't think I was going to say anything because, you know, what is there to say? But, you know, there's one rant I've <laughs> so many people suffer through. <clears throat> so I'm going to make all you people suffer through it too. Which is, I never understood the urge to rush through the naming part of a new house team. You know, the best teams, the, the most fun teams and relaxed teams I was on which was my mod team Beige and my Herald uh, Lloyd team Hotspur and uh, my L.A. Herald team Dunk Tank. We spent hours figuring out the name. It was fun, you know? And everyone had to agree. It had to be unanimous. Because if it's not unanimous, then, you know, you're not all going to be on the same page. It's sort of like the opening of the whole team. So I don't, I don't get how you'd be satisfied with, like, if someone hated the name, you got to listen to them, even if seven out of eight people are on board, right? Otherwise, otherwise, what are we doing? You, you're treating that guy's opinion like he's a schmuck? Doesn't make any sense to me. Beige took hours. We tried so many names, so we ended up with Beige. Hotspur, I remember we were at a bar. Smithfields, I think, on 30th Street for hours. Dunk Tank in L.A., we started in one place, and we it went so long, we like went to this place on Vermont that was open, you know, 
all night, that diner that serves okay food. Uh, because it was the only place open at that hour. And we kept going. And we only landed, listen, we landed on Dunk Tank with that one because we were all just truly exhausted. Like we could barely keep our eyes open, which is fine too. But, you know, the ones where it was like you just vote and the majority wins or or you just sort of people don't care that much and you just sort of like, yeah, sure, that one's good. That's fine. That's, I feel like it's a red flag. You know, like, if you can't make the chores fun, you know, how much fun are you going to have when you do an improv together? It's going to feel like work a little. You know, like, isn't the whole idea to take a boring thing or, or a premise or whatever and make it, you know, explore it and make it funny? Like, find the fun in it? Find the fun? Isn't that a thing they told us? I don't remember. It's been a long time now. But anyway, I think there's a lot of things in life... I'm not kidding. I'm, this is real. I've used a lot of things in life that are like naming a team. And I think you should do those things with people who are excited about naming the team. This goes for work, relationships, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, see y'all soon. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> Hi, it's Betsy Helmer here. Um, and... The memory that sticks out the most to me from my experience at UCB in New York City is my first Lloyd show. We had just been put together. It was Din Din, and we didn't have time to practice. We had just been formed a few days prior, and we went out on stage, and we had this electric show, and it was really good. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I still feel good about it. And, um... I remember my mom calling me afterwards to ask how it went, and I just said, well, you know, I think I can die happy now. And I remain that that is true. Um, I loved that team, and I love um, all the people that it put in my life, and I just feel so immensely grateful to everyone. that was a part of my experience at UCB. And um, yeah, I guess it just taught me that right now is the present and that's really what we have. Um, And that's a gift. So um, I'm sending love to everyone and um, I'm so grateful for everyone and hope you are safe and healthy and surrounded by love. Bye. Dan Lopretto. So I was one of the first groups of interns at The Beast. Um, I remember the first two weeks of my internship, the theater wasn't even fully open yet. Uh, I remember I was cleaning one of the bathrooms when Amy Poehler walked by because she was giving a tour of the space to the New York Times. Um, Me and her still laugh about that today. Uh, Anyway, I remember one night when we were up and running and quite busy, one of my indie teams at the time, Warren, was doing a show at Under St. Mark's, which is maybe like 10 blocks away. And so I ran out to go to that show in the middle of my shift and I remember wearing my UCB sweatshirt and just running through the village and doing the show with my friends and then running back and finishing my shift and you know I was like super young at the time I guess I was like 21 or something and yeah it was just one of those I mean it's not a very specific memory it's just one of those nights you know where I just remember feeling like improv was like everything to me and wanting so bad to be part of UCB and wanting to be part of the scene and uh, on days like today finding out that you know it's kind of all over here in New York you know it's just wild to think that I was even able to be part of it even for a little bit I feel super honored and yeah even though I think for a lot of us maybe who have been involved with UCB for many years, it might feel 
silly to admit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I fully admit that like there were many, many nights, um, during those years where I was like fully enamored with, with improv and, um, totally in love with it. And that was one of them. Um, yeah, that's it. Hi, I'm Joe Leonardo and my most impactful memory from UCB New York has to be uh, an experience that happened to me all the way back in 2011, I believe. Uh, Before I even moved to New York, I was taking improv classes in Hartford, Connecticut at the Hartford stage with uh, seven members of my improv troupe. And we had UCB come up and teach their 101 class in Connecticut. And so Shannon O'Neill came up and taught the class and we had uh, a sub for one class, which was Will Hines. They were both on the Stepfathers. So we had one requirement, and that was seeing a UCB show in New York. Instead of doing two shows, you know, if you're in the city, they gave us just the, the, the one requirement of seeing one show. So we all jumped into a car on a Friday night and drove down to New York City. It was this amazing experience. And we saw the Stepfathers perform... Uh, and it blew us away. It was everything you come to expect from seeing long-form improv for the first time in New York. It was this magical experience uh, that you think could never be obtained by you or your (laughs) friends or anything like that. And uh, obviously they killed, the audience went crazy. And right after the show, we were standing what later we found out was like the performer's corner, which all the performers uh, hung out at UCB Chelsea, and uh, Will Hines comes up to us, and uh, he kind of has this sad look on his face, and he starts heavily noting himself, saying like, well, I denied, I wasn't listening, I, I don't think I did well, and he wasn't making eye contact, kind of looking down and being neurotic, and I look over at a friend of mine who we just came down with thinking, what the, what are you talking about? That was amazing. That was the most amazing improv we've ever seen in our lives. But it just goes to show you that UCB isn't filled with a ton of celebrities or anything like that. It's just people that love improv. And uh, even in the community, people reaching the highest heights of it, they're just regular people. And we all love this thing, and we all love uh, doing it. And uh, yeah, it was just this really humbling slash exciting slash uh, I, amazing experience. And uh, that's what I will cherish the most from my UCB experience. Hey, it's Jamie Lutz. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my first memory um, was when I was in Shannon O'Neill's 101 class. Um, I had just moved to New York City in 2012 and um, I moved with uh, my college boyfriend. Um, and uh, towards the end of the class, I broke up with him. And um, I didn't know anyone in the city. Um, and I texted somebody from my um, 101 class just to like hang out with me. Um, and we went to see uh, Ruru and Grandma's Ashes. Um, and uh, that friend was uh, Spencer Campbell, uh, who is now my fiance. Um, and uh, the second memory I have is uh, just the entire improv team blush, which was my first. Loy team, um, and we got really, really close, um, really quickly. And I'm just, I'm so glad, um, that there was just this magical, <laughs> uh, group of people that I got to meet through the theater. Um, and I will, I will miss it very much. I'm going to cry now. Goodbye. Okay. This is Jamie again. I just had one more <laughs> memory. Um, at some point uh, after the 2016 election, um, 
uh, Jackie and uh, James's Big Dumb Thing show had like a, I, I guess like a Trump theme one. I, I forget exactly what the comedy bit was, but for some reason Ben Stanton wanted to do a bit where he actually peed on stage. I guess it might have been like related to the pee tape thing. And um, I mean, I thought the whole thing was disgusting, but like he brought out like a tarp and he was going to do it on that. But then by the time he actually got out on stage, uh, he and in front of the audience, he was he like had his dick in his hands and he couldn't actually pee. And we were just watching him like trying and trying to pee, but he got too pee shy in front of uh, in front of like the crowd of like twelve people at a midnight on a Friday. Actually, a midnight on a Wednesday. Jesus. Okay, uh, that's it. Please edit this. I'm back to back with my other one. <laughs> Alejandro Cardona. My experience of UCB often felt like arriving at a party, but all the lights are on and people are kind of cleaning up. To give you an example, I wanted to be a Chelsea intern for the longest time. The day that I started interning at Chelsea, I arrived with like a pizza in my hand and there were a bunch of people standing outside the theater talking. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and as soon as I walked in, uh, my manager went like, oh, you didn't hear it? They're closing Chelsea. And I was like, oh, no, fuck. I got in too late. Fuck. I mean, I did it. I missed whatever your definition of like the best time to be at UCB New York was. I missed it. But in spite of all of that, I still got a tremendous amount out of UCB. I don't want to ramble for too long, but... There is something that I want to say to people, which is that I've spent several years not being able to be at UCB, and what it's forced me to do, perhaps against my will, is to try to recreate the things that I think make the UCB New York improv community so goddamn cool, which is this place that you could have a really high artistic bar and yet still make really good friends and be really nice to people and meet a tribe of people that it's wild. The number, think about the number of people that you meet in your day-to-day -day life and how many of them become your friends. Think about the number of people that you've met at UCB and like the ratio of how many of those people become your friends. It's so incredibly rare to have a place like that. So coming from a person who has been trying to recreate UCB at a distance for many years, knowing that it is perhaps a fool's errand, I'll say this. The reason why rebuilding feels daunting is because of the scale the UCB got to, right? It feels, you know, this giant just fell, but scale is not the thing that made it awesome. It might be the thing that just tipped it over. The thing that made it feel awesome was the intimacy and the depth of the artistic work, and that has gone nowhere. Sure, it is scattered now because people don't have a central place to gather, but there are still, like New York still boasts the most insane talent pool that it's going nowhere, despite your friends who are moving to LA for sure. So if you're someone who was in the middle of doing something at UCB that you thought was worthwhile, remember that you have all of this knowledge about what worked, what made it great, and what made it difficult and clunky. So this is easier said than done, but there is a void and someone is going to fill it. So if you care about this, which fucking hell, you listen to Beat by Beat, you care profoundly. Make sure that the thing that rises from the ashes is something that you want to throw your weight behind and something that gives other people what the UCB gave to you. Hi, this is Brett White, and here are some UCB memories I'm going to try and make really quick. I'm just thinking about all the goodbyes that I've said to this place over the years, um, laying on the stage at Chelsea while my stupid sketch about finger gun noises played and all of Thunder Gulch was in it because we were all in every single sketch. We all did, always in costume, all 12 or 13 of us. And I remember laying on that stage and cry, almost crying <laughs> tears of happiness that I was with these people. I knew it was our last show and I felt so happy to be with them. Um, I said goodbye when I was cut, when I got cut by email at work, and I had to take the rest of the day off, um, I said goodbye then. I said goodbye when 
UCB1 was broken up, and I was so angry about that because we were so good and had so much potential. And I said goodbye at Timmy's funeral, which was at the Chelsea. And that speaks to how powerful UCB was, that a person that I only did a couple of shows with, that I only talked about comics with a couple times, that we all came together and we had memorial services at a comedy theater multiple lines around the block to get in and singing heroes <laughs> with everyone thinking about Timmy. And I said goodbye in 2017 when the theater closed, when Chelsea closed, and I got to sit in my spot right off the side of the stage where I used to sit every mod night, and I got to see people do stupid things. Uh, Riley's song which I still have in my head, about just how accurate it felt to be in your 20s and going to a show and making no money and spending $5 to get two PBRs and tip the bartender a buck to watch Harold Knight for free with all of your best friends waking up and going to work way too early to make no money. I said goodbye then, and I took a last look at the theater, and I just kept going. And I think people wanted to go back down, and I was like, no, I, I've said, I've looked at it, I've gotten my last look in, and I left. And that just shows all the things it meant of work, people, family, purpose, and even if a physical space isn't there, I still have all that. Um, and I have everyone's back. Aaron K. Fitz. I always felt like a total outsider at UCB. I guess everybody kind of felt that way, even people who were on weekend teams and stuff. Um, I felt like a total outsider there, even though I had one or another show running there for eight years, um, maybe 10 years. And, and I had some of the best nights of my adult life on that stage. Um, one time uh, hosting my show, Kurt, Braunohler and I, uh, as our like hosting bit, we uh, asked audience volunteers if anybody wanted to try the um, like horny goat weed that they sell at bodegas as like a sexual enhancement over the counter, whatever. And uh, and we were totally convinced that um, they were just sugar pills, and nothing interesting would happen. But we were kind of hard up for hosting ideas. And the audience was super game, and we just checked in with them for the rest of the show between every sketch of what was happening in their bodies. And um, I don't know what's in those things, or if the placebo effect is just very real, but um, it was a very weird and a very fun show. And uh, shit like that could happen there. It was, it was a place where extremely talented, smart, dedicated people spent a ton of their time and effort, and yet also, in the best of times, had a lot of leeway to try new, weird, crazy shit. And that's a goddamn magic concoction. And it was beautiful and it was wonderful. And I was devastated when the Chelsea Theater closed because it felt like the end of that era, officially. And like It felt like that era had been waning for a long time to me. And then when it closed, I, it was, it was, you know, we had Timmy Woods's celebration of life there for the community. And it felt like a similar vibe when, when Chelsea closed, like it felt like a death. Um, I don't mean to, to minimize, you know, Timmy's death, obviously that's a far, far bigger deal, but it was, um, you know, we were all, we, we did grieve something even when just the theater went away just the physical space um i loved that stage that stage was the perfect shape it was very intimate and you felt connected with the audience and it felt like driving a comedy sports car you know it was just so um reactive to everything that you did every little maneuver um i miss it i miss that place i miss the late night shows i miss the camaraderie I miss a lot of the people that I've fallen out of touch with. Um, it's, it's sad 
there were a lot of problems, and I don't mean to diminish the problems, about diversity and, and paying people and all of those things. Um, and, and the one-upsmanship and status stuff. But it, it, was, um, it was a really great thing, too. Yo, Curtis, Aaron Kavitz again. I just want to say uh, one more thing. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen, maybe I've just been reading too many Facebook posts about the bad stuff that was happening at the theater, and there are tons of those, but I, I also wanted to say the, the thing that was actually maybe most incredible about UCB, which was that you could go see a show, like a random show at like 11 o'clock on a Tuesday, or like Whiplash is the perfect example of this, and pay five or 10 bucks and go down into the basement of a grocery store and see one of the best shows, comedy shows happening in the country for like five or 10 bucks if you knew where to go and where to be when. And also if you're just willing to like roll the dice. I went and saw a random show there once and it was Rhonda and Beverly who were in from LA. And it's not who I'd intended to see. Actually, I got the dates messed up. I wanted to see Pangea 3000. Um, but I got the dates messed up and I just stayed for that show. And I, I'm a fan for life. It was one of the funniest, most incredible shows I've ever seen. Um, yeah, that's... That's cool. John Escrabus? Hey, Curtis. I'm not sure what I could add to the conversation about UCB. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what it felt like to walk into the UCB Chelsea Theater. My first experience with it was Del Close Marathon. 2007 and it would be very hot outside because the marathon was in June Uh, so it'd be very hot but often also rainy so you're just kind of sticky (laughs) and you would open the doors to the Chelsea Theater and this burst of cold air would hit you but it wasn't even that cold of air it was just comparable it it was just compared to outside it felt amazing and then the smell would hit you and it was this it was a basement smell because that's what the theater was but not a musty basement not a wet basement it was the smell of what a theater under a grocery store smells like and a little bit of stale beer And it was a very distinct smell, and I know if I ever encounter it again in my life, I will know it immediately. But you'd walk in, past the ticket window on your right, then the bar would be on your left, and then you would make your way along the hallway, which was the only place where there were going to be any seats for you. There weren't seats. There were places to stand in the hallway. Um, But the seats themselves were actually raised up above the stage. So if you were one of the standing people, you were leaning against the back of the seats. And what you were leaning against was a fur-covered, barrier of some kind I it was kind of soft kind of comforting very dirty certainly and yet I would happily lean on it uh on my arms maybe even rest my chin on it um it was a very comfortable furry little barricade that was the experience from the audience I mean the experience from on stage was amazing The audience was on three sides of you, often sitting on the stage with you, excited to be there. You could see the first couple rows of faces, but then the rest of it was just darkness. The stage was sometimes sticky. The flats against the back wall of the stage were a great place to hide behind before you came out on stage. You'd feel really safe back there for a couple more seconds. And so protected 
and apart from the audience for those couple seconds, even though the audience was just a few feet away and you could feel them on the other side of that wall. But until you were ready to come out, you couldn't be seen. (laughs) Yeah, I saw some amazing shows there. I got to perform in some amazing shows. My favorite team to watch was Death by Ruru. To this day, I can't remember anything that's made me laugh harder than the first Ruru shows that I ever saw. And I always thought that they were pretty great at handling the audience. I remember one time I was at a show and it was a typical sold out show for Ruru. So they had a row of people on the stage, maybe even two rows deep. And there was a woman in the corner who had both of her legs just splayed out in front of her. And when the team came out to do their interview, Anthony Atamanik clocked this right away and was like, you need to move. You are taking up a quarter of the stage. And she she kind of got angry and didn't want to move. And he, I'm sure, nicely explained that they were going to trip on her if she kept her legs like that. And then she very proudly said, yeah, you're going to trip on my big vagina. And that was a UCB show. Mark Dowling. I started studying improv at UCB when I was 19. I think by the break in my first 101 class, I knew that improv was what I wanted to do. Even though it wasn't necessarily lucrative, it gave me a path and a safety net where I could find my voice and not only develop as a performer, but also as a person. I was surrounded by all these kind and funny people whose support and encouragement made me the person that I am today. And those people would go on to become my closest friends. A lot of those friendships started at McManus, which is an unofficial extension of UCB in a way. It was a ritual to walk there after shows at Chelsea, even though there were plenty of nicer and cleaner bars in the area. It was a tradition because McManus was this place where everybody was accepted. Students and performers could mingle, and if you wanted to insert yourself into a conversation with a veteran or somebody you looked up to, you could do so all because you had this common love for improv and were standing in that bar. Some of my fondest memories are in the the back booth at McManus eating like greasy tater tots from the rat infested kitchen and doing silly bits or having nerdy discussions about our favorite openings or whatever. One of my favorite nights at McManus was after Hurricane Sandy hit. We all went to a show at Chelsea, which had power, but most of the city below 26th Street was pitch black. So we used flashlights to guide us to 19th Street to McManus, which didn't have power but remained open and was lit by candles and they served beer out of coolers. And there was a guy playing acoustic guitar and we all requested that he do TV theme songs and everybody sang along. And we just hung out there until the sun came up and it was a special night in the city with the community in the wake of all the destruction of Hurricane Sandy. And we got to share this this moment. And the community, as a lot of people will say, is the most gratifying aspect of UCB. And despite the theater being closed, we'll find a cool place to perform once this is all over. And then somebody will mess with the pipes and we'll get kicked out of that place, but then we'll find another place to perform. Just got to get those last shots in. I am choosing to remember the good times at UCB, and I think it would benefit others to do the same. I can't, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do, but it's easy to complain and focus on the negative aspects of the theater, but it's more worthwhile to share the memories that made you fall in love with the people and improv or sketch, I guess. All right, that's it for me. Fade out. This is Maritza Montañez. I have been thinking about um, ASPs. Sorry. I applied to 19 ASPs uh, before I got into one. And 
um, I was very young when I started doing improv, like a lot of people, and I just wanted to be good at it. Um, I wanted to be good at it, and I wanted to someday be a teacher because I felt very much like my teachers had made improv much less intimidating than it could have been, and I wanted that. I wanted to be capable of that. Um... I also was fully prepared to never get that because one, no one is entitled to anything and then two, uh, very few people get to do that at UCB and of course three, even fewer people of color and women of color get to. Um, But I feel really grateful that I did get to and my... Last night at the theater was for the facade, which was a class, an academy performance class that I was teaching uh, that was bananas. They were all wild. Uh, They are all wild individually and are so fun to watch. Um, Everyone in that class is like just really magnetic and so very much themselves and so in tune with what they think is funny and with their taste and preferences, and I really loved watching them. Uh, loved watching them execute something I had pictured in a way I hadn't pictured it. Uh, one thing that I really loved was that night seeing uh, the audience settling in to their seats while they took the stage. It just made me feel very warm and happy to see their friends and other performers at the theater uh, getting ready to watch them. And I don't know. I just am glad that that was my last night there. Billy Galanti. I started UCB in 2017, going to classes after my day job in Midtown. Uh, I always felt a little bit like an outsider, went to a lot of shows alone, and never really knew how to keep up or or start conversations with with classmates or people I admired. Um, I'm lucky to have a lot of memories of all the theaters in Training Center, but one that stands out is from the summer of 2019. Um, I just got into my first ACP, ASP, whatever you want to call it, um, Daily Departed, which was invented by Chris Scott and is a really cool form. Uh, I felt like an outsider in that class a little bit in the beginning. I didn't know that many people in the class or even the community as a whole, and everyone in that class was so funny and and seemed to all know each other already. Uh, Our first performance was a really hot night in July, and I was more nervous than any time I'd ever performed. I'd been on the HK stage before, but uh, always tiny audiences and weird times, not like the 10.30 on a Tuesday night ASP audience. Um, There were house you know, house team members in the audience and like everyone else, I just wanted to be liked and and be funny. Um, anyway, my group was up first and there was no AC. So everyone was super sweaty. The do the part is a kind of a unique form that I won't fully explain right now, but essentially everyone alternates playing the same character, which is known as the, the dearly departed. Uh, they're gifted into the, the, the opening is, is basically gifting the dearly departed person and it takes place at their funeral. Anyways, I uh, stood in the back line, sweating like crazy, trying to look natural, and the first gift that was given to the Dearly Departed was that they are a carny, whose talent or attraction at the carnival is their unbelievably large penis. So for the next half hour, eight of us switched off playing this carny at different stages of their life, seeing very real emotional moments, all while actively having the biggest dong known to man. I don't remember the notes from that set or even really remember my scenes that well, although I'm sure they were all excellent. But I do remember this sense of relief and belonging and and community that I felt from then on. Because at the end of the day, nothing really mattered as long as you were kind. Not how far you were in classes, not if you had gotten a call back, not how long you'd been doing it, and not who you know. This was a place where you can play a carny with a monstrous dick and then go analyze it like a Shakespeare play at a bar at 3 in the morning on a Wednesday with people who cared about it just as much as you. Here's something I'll never forget. Um... Oh, whoops. Nicholas Guastella. Here's something I'll never forget. My dad was a huge supporter 
of my doing comedy and it is why I got into comedy. He got me all the best of SNL DVDs as a kid and then I would look into what they're doing now, where, or became a huge nerd about, you know, the career paths of these people and that's what led me to UCB. So when I was starting to perform at UCB, my dad was thrilled. Um, he never got to see me, the unhoused team, but one thing he did get to see and it was the last time he ever saw me was um my indie team winning its uh, first round of indie cage match and it was the best set i ever had it was the smashing honeys me and maggie widows and we were coached by jessica morgan and we were a bunch of freaks and we just killed and it's the last time my dad ever saw me perform and a lot of the time when I need comforting I, I think back at being on the UCB East stage and hearing his laughter and um I'll never forget that. Um, you know, I get bummed that he never got to see me perform and never got to see a lot of my best friends who he knew because I grew up in the city and we all had this goal of performing at UCB together, all the stuff that he never got to see us do. But he did get to see me kill and win week one of Indie Cage match. Um, and saw Maggie Widows uh, fuck me in a parent-teacher conference, I believe it was. For me, New York City is UCB. I moved to New York in 2006 and I used the last of my money to take 101. Uh, I spent the next 13 years of my life there. It's where the people that I love became the people that I love. Um, I've written and deleted thousands of words about UCB New York over the past week, but it always seems to come down to some version of this. UCB was a messy place where you were expected to care deeply about the things that you did about the things that you loved. Thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks to everyone who submitted something or even thought about submitting something. I know it's hard to put all of your thoughts into words and record them. Thanks to everybody who is part of the UCB community. To everybody who interned at the theater, who worked at the theater, who went to see shows, who took classes, who had fun, who was nice to everybody else around them. Thanks.